In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Alright, so I want to take a closer look at this parable that Christ tells us today. He's talking about new wine and new wineskins, talking about putting a piece of garment on another garment, and he's using this illustration to teach us a very important lesson. If you know anything about wine, that it takes a while to ferment. It takes a while for the grape juice to actually become wine. Right? And the wineskin has to retain the wine during this process so that as it ferments, the integrity of the wineskin keeps it intact. Okay? So during that process, the wineskin becomes brittle and it starts to wear down. Okay? And that's why you can only put new wine into new wineskin. If you put it into an old wineskin that's already brittle and worn down, then it's not going to tolerate that process, the fermentation process, as the grape juice is fermenting and developing in the alcohol content and becoming actual wine. Okay, so only new wineskins can retain new wine. And clearly Christ is alluding to this analogy for us to resemble this new wineskin, for us to retain the new wine that Christ wants to give us. And this whole passage is about this renewal. He calls Levi, Levi becomes Matthew, he has a new name, he has a new start in a sense, a new identity. And that's why he's mentioning this analogy so that we can be renewed in the very same way. Okay, so in a sense, we have to resemble this new wineskin. When we are new, when we are renewed, when we come like this new wineskin, then we can retain the wine that Christ has to give us. But before we really get into how we can resemble this new wineskin, I want to talk about what it is that the wineskin actually retains. How does it receive this new wine? Okay? So, for new wine to... To ferment throughout this process, we know that it ultimately uh, functions as a joyful drink, right? It functions as a source of celebration, right? And it's what you drink at a wedding. And so Christ is actually pointing to himself as this wine. And that's why he says that the wedding banquet is basically the central analogy or illustration of our eternal life with Christ. Right? So this new wine, this joy, is Christ himself. But interestingly enough, this new wine is something different, something new, something that's not familiar. So I want to stress this concept that Christ gives us not just any ordinary wine, but new wine. Right? The emphasis is on the concept of the wine being new. And anything new is not familiar. Anything new is different. It's something that you haven't dealt with before. Right? Like if you try a new food, it means you've never tasted it before. Right? And sometimes if like it's a strange food, like I don't know, you go to travel abroad and they're eating like frog legs or something, I don't know, you're like, that's something new. And you try it. You've never tried it before. If you've eaten frog legs before, then it's not new to you, right? Now everybody's thinking about frog legs, great. (laughs) But anyways, this is how Christ comes to us. 
Right? He comes to us in a new way. Something fresh, something unfamiliar. And as funny as it may seem, with this silly little analogy, it's actually very challenging. The new is scary. The new is ambiguous. The new is obscure. Okay, so Father Michael Casey says if something feels bad, it's because it often is pushing us out of our comfort zone and enabling us to grow into something new beyond our self-imposed limitations. Okay? So, this wine is not just any ordinary wine. It's new wine. It's a new experience. It's a new situation. It's a new challenge. Right? And that's the only way that we grow. We don't grow in the same old familiar place. If you look back into your life and... You try to identify the areas and the times when you grew the most. Almost always, it's whenever you entered into uncharted territory. You entered into a new place. There's a new challenge, and somehow God is teaching you something new. So God always remember that when Christ wants to edify us and give us joy, it's through this refinement process, this new process, this new challenge. Okay, so... How is the new wineskin able to receive this wine, this, these new situations, these new challenges, and all these obscurities and ambiguities of life? Well, first, again, we've got to emphasize the concept that the wineskin has to be new, not any old, ordinary wineskin. It can't be the wineskin that's already brittle and worn out. Right? It has to be new wineskin. In Romans 12... Verse 2, St. Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be transformed. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means the new wineskin has to be renewed. Okay? And for wineskin, you can't just reverse time and... Make it new by snapping your fingers, right? Once it's old, it's old. You have to get a different new wineskin. But for humanity, fortunately, that's not the case. We can be renewed in a moment. We can be renewed just by changing the direction of our orientation. You remember the story of Santa Isa? As soon as she just left her house, she didn't even make it to the monastery. And St. John was curious about what happened and the Lord revealed to him as soon as she left her repentance was complete. And that's what repentance means, metanoia, changing of the mind. Meta means change. Noia is from the Greek word nous, which is the mind. So changing our mind is a moment that happens through repentance. Right? And repentance is something easily accessible to us. It's by shedding a tear, just one drop can wash us and renew us to the same extent that the waters of baptism renew us. St. John Climacus actually says that the, that tears, the tears of repentance are greater than the waters of baptism, though it may seem rash to say so. Because when we renew our minds, we set aside what we knew before. We set aside our opinions. We set aside our own will. We set aside our inclinations, and we say, God, I'm just going to desire what you want. 
I'm not going to be stubborn and do things my way. I'm going to set my mindset off to the side here and do what you want. So I want to talk about two components or qualities as to how we can actually renew our minds. How we can be like this new wineskin to receive new wine. To receive challenges, to receive any obscurity or ambiguity that, the life, that life throws at us. Okay, so first of all, we have to actually be open to whatever it is that God throws at us. Okay? New wineskin has to be ready to receive whatever is poured into it. Okay? So a new mind is not selective about what it receives. A lot of times we open the Bible and we're ready to receive God's Word. And we, we say, God, I, I'm, I'm ready to hear your voice. I'm ready to receive whatever it is that you want to tell me. But then we open the Bible and as we're reading, we approach it like an open buffet. Like, you know when you go up to a buffet and you see some potatoes, you're like, oh, I don't want that. I'll go to get the chicken. You get the chicken. You see some broccoli. No, I don't want any broccoli. I'll go get the steak. You put the steak on your plate. It's a buffet. You put whatever you want on your plate. You leave what you don't like and you put what you want on your plate. So a lot of times we open the Bible. Like, okay, open buffet. I take what I want. I leave what I don't want. The saints weren't like this at all. They said, God, I'm ready to receive whatever it is that you want to put on my plate. I'm going to open your word. I'm going to receive everything and anything you have to tell me. Love your enemies, I'll put it on my plate. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who smitefully use you, I'll put it on my plate. Turn the other cheek, it's on my plate. If someone sues you for your cloak, do not refrain from giving him your tunic also. That's on my plate. If someone asks you to go with him one mile, go with him too. That's on my plate. Whatever it is, let patience have its perfect work. Yes, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to sit in traffic. I'm going to tolerate the frustrations of people. I'm going to take that to heart. When St. Anthony walked into the church as a young man, he heard a very difficult word. If you desire to be perfect, sell what you have. Give all that you have to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. He said, okay, that's on my plate. He <laughs> walked out with it and he became St. Anthony. This great man right here, St. Pope Krolos, lived this very same life. One of my favorite things about St. Pope Corollas is that after he departed, they were looking in his room, in his cell, and he, you know that the Pope would always receive countless letters, people complimenting him, praising him, criticizing him, complaining to him, you name it, everything. He'd receive tons of letters. You know which letters he held on to? Which letters he actually kept? The only letters that they found piled up in his drawer are the letters of complaints and criticism. That's what he wanted to keep. 
He was new wineskin, ready to receive whatever God wanted to throw his way. God, I'm going to hold on to these so that I can put them in prayer. I'm going to hold on to these so that I could take it to heart. So that I could really work on this. So that I could become a better man throughout these criticisms and even the insults that he received. And we know how much criticism St. Pope Corollis received. Aside from just receiving everything, we have to receive whatever it is that God pours into our life with grace, with a real genuine heart. Aristotle says something quite obvious, but it's pretty deep. Whatever is received is received according to the nature of the recipient. So, I crashed at Abuna David's house last night and it was funny because I was talking to Abuna and Michelle about how Sophie has been maturing, but like there are still some things that she can't grasp. And trying to explain to her that Jesus is in heaven, she was like, does he take the plane to get up there? It was received according to the nature of the recipient. She doesn't have the mental capacity to understand the reality of God's presence. The reality of God's omnipresence. See, if we are limiting ourselves, not just intellectually, but by our pride, then we don't receive whatever it is that God wants to tell us. And I'm telling you, intellect and brilliance is not the measure. It's not the measure. It's not what you need to receive. It's humility. You tell somebody that has the humility of St. Pope Krolos, hey, I don't like when you do this and this. He's not just going to get defensive and what do you mean? He'll receive it. Right? And he, and as we mature, it's not that we mature in our brilliance. It's not that we mature in our level of smartness. It's that we mature into simplicity, into humility. St. Pachumius was a monk that had thousands of disciples. He had so many disciples that his disciples had disciples. <laughs> and some of those disciples never actually met him face to face. They didn't know him personally. And so one time he was sitting on a bench with another disciple, another monk, and that monk didn't know that this was the great St. Pachumius. And they were sitting there and they were braiding their prayer robes. So... The younger monk looks at St. Pachumius and he says, uh, Brother, that's not how you do it. That's not how you tie the prayer rope. Because he's talking to Abba Pachumius, the great St. Abba Pachumius. He's telling him that he's braiding his prayer rope wrong. And then he says, Oh, really? Um, how so? He says, let me teach you how our father, Abba Theodore, taught us. Abba Theodore 
is Saint Prochomius' disciple. So if I'm Saint Prochomius, I'm like, bro, like he's my disciple, and you're my disciple's disciple. Like you're like my grandchild. You're my grandson. Who are you to tell me how to braid my prayer robe? Like I taught him everything, and he's teaching you. I mean, that's what I would say. <laughs> but of course, Saint Pachumius had the humility to receive whatever it is that God had to tell him, even if it was through a young disciple like this. So he said, "Oh, really? Teach me. How did Avatid or teach you how to do it?" And so he taught him a different way. And the story says that Saint Pachumius learned this new way, and he walked away joyful and edified. How beautiful is that? New wineskin, ready to receive new wine. A new situation, a challenging situation. A situation where you might be uncomfortable, like, who's this guy to talk to me like that? (laughs) Proverbs 9, verse 8 to 9 says, Do not reprove an arrogant man, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. How true is that? When we have that humility, when we have the desire to learn, then we become even wiser. But the foolish remains in his foolishness because he doesn't have the pride to learn. Not because he's learned at all, but because he doesn't recognize his nothingness. He doesn't recognize that he needs to learn. Remember the story of David and Nathan. David slipped up big time. We all know what he did. He slipped up big time. Adultery and murder. It doesn't get worse than that. But David really wasn't conscious of what he did. So God sends him a prophet. And Nathan is telling him this really strange story about how this poor man had a goat that was so close to his family that this little goat would even sleep with him in the house. And his neighbor... A rich man who had countless cattle with him had a guest come one time and he wanted to make a feast for his guest. So he went to this poor man's house, took his goat, slaughtered the goat and made a feast for his guest. Of course, David was outraged. That's absurd. How can this man do that? And Nathan tells him a very simple statement. You are that man. How did David react? Who are you to accuse the great King David? No. You know what happened? He wept. He repented. And we have the most beautiful psalm of repentance. Psalm 50. Have mercy upon me, God, according to your great mercy. According to the multitude of your compassion. Blot out my iniquity. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. That psalm, that beautiful prayer, is a product of of David's humility and David's sensitivity because he was like new wineskin 
ready to receive criticism, ready to receive whatever it is God has to throw his way. Tito Cleander says on the book Way of the Ascetics, how can a human being receive advice, instructions, and help if he believes that he knows and can do everything and needs no directions? Through such a wall of self-satisfaction, no gleam of light can penetrate. That wall prevents us from receiving this new wine. St. Paisius says something quite similar. This is what we really need to take to heart. We should receive everything as a command from God. When someone shames you, say that God commanded him to do it. When someone takes something of yours, God commanded him to take it. When you're removed from a higher place, God changed your place so that you would change from your passions and bad habits. This is true humility. I'll leave you with a quick story. St. Arsenius didn't become St. Arsenius overnight. And we know that he came from a wealthy family. He was used to luxurious living. So when he went to the monastery, he was struggling to transition from all of the luxurious food to the simple food of the monastics. So when he would go to eat with the fathers, even though their meal was simple like beans, he would always take the best beans. So even though he's not even eating chicken and steak, he still had this greed and he wanted the best food. So he would always pick the best beans. So the elder realized this. So the next day, right before dinner, he tells one of the other disciples, once you take the beans to make your plate, I'm going to smack you, but just ignore it. It's out of love. It's nothing. Don't take it personally. Just let it slide. It's nothing. I'm just telling you in advance that's what I'm going to do so that you know so it just doesn't bother you. So I says, sure, whatever. So this poor young man takes a couple of beans. Of course, he gets a smack across the face from the elder. Meanwhile, St. Arsenius is sitting right there. Right? He sees the elder smack this young man. He says, how is it that you think you're better than everyone to take the best beans? St. Arsenius looked over to the altar and he said, Forgive me, Father. This smack was intended for me. The humility of the saints is just convicting. He had this humility, this sensitivity to realize that he was the man of pride. It wasn't even this brother. And he changed. That's why he became the great Saint Arsenius. He was like new wineskin. He had the humility to receive whatever it is that God wanted to tell him, even in the most indirect way. Sometimes God is smacking us 
left and right. And he's like, wake up, I'm trying to tell you this and this and this and this. And we're like, nope, sorry, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I hope we can imitate the saints to receive whatever it is that God wants to tell us. That we become like new wineskin to retain the new wine of Christ. Unto him is due all glory forever. Amen.